0: Okay, well, let's, uh, let's try to finish up this study today as we, uh, as we have been. This is, uh, I think, week number 36, if I'm not mistaken, 36 or 37, that we have been in Psalm 119. And uh, what's interesting to me as we've gone through Psalm 119, and I, I, I can't say I, I expected it, is how many different subjects have been touched upon and, you know, we've, we've tried to, you know, there's a number of subjects that repeat in Psalm 119 a number of times. And so we tried to cover those at least once. But then there's a, a, a lot of uh, kind of more minor subjects that are mentioned only once that are, in, uh, that are in Psalm 119. And we tried to cover those. And we'll try to do some of that again today. So let's look at Psalm 119, verse number uh, 169 through verse 176. 169 to verse 176. All right, let's, let's do this today. Let's read this in unison. All right, let's read this in unison. Psalm 119, verse 169. Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplication come before thee, Deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. What's interesting, and aren't you glad that every part of the Bible is not, every part, God did not design and order the Bible such that everything was. What dir- is, was directly what He is saying to us. Many parts of the Bible are what His people are saying to Him. You know why that helps us? Because we can take those and put those words, which are His words, which are also the words of His people, and put them in our own mouth and speak those words back to Him. And that's a, that's a blessing. I see that in some of these verses we read. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, Uh, First of all, thank you for the cross, Lord. If you had not come to seek and to save us, we would would have no hope at all. If you were a God only of judgment, Lord, we would be condemned for sure. Uh, But Lord, I thank you that you have come to seek and to save us. I thank you for seeking and saving each and every person here. And as we Think about in our church, uh, the 50th anniversary, Lord, there have been many people, uh, hundreds of people that have passed through these doors, have been a part of this church, uh, whose lives you have touched, whose lives you have changed, and who, uh, who there are people who you have sought individually, one by one, to bring them into your fold. And Lord, I pray for this group here that's here, that's listening by the internet, I pray for them that your blessing and grace would rest upon them. Lord, I pray that also that you would stir up the hearts of each and every person that's a part of our church. Lord, to be zealous to serve you here. To, be, uh, to have a great desire to live for you. And to be committed uh, to you as their Savior and to your work. Uh, as we serve you together. Lord, would you please bless our, uh, our Sunday school lesson uh, this morning as we try to conclude Psalm 119. Would you please teach us and help us? We certainly have no power uh, except that you truly meet with us and teach us by your Spirit, not just through me, although, Lord, I definitely ask you to help me to say what you would have me to say. But I pray that your Spirit on an individual basis would teach your people according to what their needs are. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for the things we've learned in Psalm 119. We thank you for uh, how many things in this psalm have stirred us and uh, how many uh, words in this psalm have, have, been, have ended up in our own mouths as we've tried to talk to you and serve you. Lord, thank you for these things. I pray that you would uh, help your people this morning, as you've helped him in our, throughout our study of Psalm 119. Lord, we commit this time to you, and we also ask you, Lord, to bless the other Sunday school teachers as they teach, that you would give them grace and spiritual power and energy and wisdom as they teach as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 119, verse number one, uh, 169. Verse 169 and verse 170 say very similar to the same thing. Let my cry come near before thee. Let my supplication come before thee. And uh, what's interesting, and just as a note as we, just keep, as we pass on by, is that, uh, is that it is amazing that our prayers, as weak and feeble as they are, you could barely, if we, if we prayed, if, if we knelt down here like we did at the cottage prayer meeting, at, but at the church house, if we knelt down here and we prayed to God, you wouldn't be able to hear our prayer outside that door right there. But yet, the, our prayers somehow, not because of anything in us, but because of the nearness of, of the Lord to us. Our prayers, you know, if you think about it visually, if you visualize it, they reach all the way to the Lord. You can't hear them across the room, but the Lord can hear them all the way where He is. And, uh, of course, that's because he's listening. And so we ask God to hear us. How many of you have ever prayed that God would hear you? How many of you have ever prayed that God would hear you? Why do you pray that? Why do you pray that? Do you think God can't hear you? It's funny. What's that? You're going to get all spiritual. Exactly. We, we do it because we're, we're expressing the fact that we want God to hear us. We want him to incline his ear and not turn a deaf ear to us. And we know He doesn't. And if our hearts are right, our hands are clean, our, our relationships with His people are right, because that's, that's in there too. We talked about it at the, at the prayer meeting. And uh, we pray in faith that He'll hear us. And whether He answers will be according to His will, of course, whether He answers in the way that we ask. But we know, the Bible says, we know that He hear us. We know that He heareth us he says, Oh Lord, uh, give me, verse 169, give me understanding according to thy word. I'm sorry. I have to give our winner her prize. Congratulations. You duly won the, the prize for the drawing and it happens to be probably the last one for this series, so... All right, uh, he says, give me understanding according to thy word. You know, you look at the book of Proverbs. We won't spend some time there. I want to get some other verses. But in the book of Proverbs, there's there's a number of, of words that are used that are, you know, they definitely overlap, like the word knowledge and the word wisdom and uh, the word understanding. Uh, these are all, these those three words in particular, you see in the book of Proverbs, Many, many times. And they're a little bit different. Of course, knowledge refers to, to just general information that, you know, as opposed to being ignorant, that is, not knowing. The word ignorant is not a bad word. Some things we should, are there not some things we should be ignorant of? There are some things that we should not know about. Uh, for, for sure, the depths of them. Uh, Revelation says that one of the churches, the uh, letters to the churches, that they had not known. That's the word knowledge, the depths of Satan. Well, that's, that's something we should know. We know what sin is, and we have a general acquaintance with sin in its various forms just by, just by you know, the circumstances of our lives. But, but some things we should be ignorant of, and, and it's better if we do not have personal knowledge of those things. Then you have wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, Right? wisdom is also you see it similarly as the word discretion which is which is also the the ability to take what you know and make right decisions that will have a have an outcome that is proper and right and beneficial and uh you know and obedient to the lord so it's the taking it's the proper application of knowledge uh there are so many people in this world there are so many people it's, if you just pay attention, you—if you pay attention, and then you also look at the news, there are a lot of very, very smart people with a lot of knowledge that are just as foolish and ensnared by some of the simplest problems that the Lord, some of the, uh, some of the, some of the most basic things that we read in Scripture. Those are the things that ensnare very, very intelligent people. You know, you think of, especially, you think of uh, women, alcohol. Those things that are in Proverbs, which just, they stand out, repeat it over and over and over. And yet, you find people with PhDs, multiple PhDs in various fields, very intelligent, far more intelligent than any of, any of us. And yet, no wisdom. No wisdom. God help us. I don't say that to condescend for sure, God help us to give us wisdom and discretion. So you have knowledge in Proverbs, you have wisdom, and then you have what we see here, understanding, according to thy word. Understanding is, I guess, similar, definitely similar to knowledge, based in knowledge, similar to wisdom, the application, but it it, it deals with the thoroughness of our, our acquaintance with something. It's how well we know it, how well we are acquainted with it. And this doesn't. This isn't just about spiritual things. It's, uh, in fact, if we go back to Proverbs, many many things in Proverbs aren't necessarily spiritual in nature. They're very practical, and uh, and so having an understanding of what motivates people—that's a lot of what uh, Brother Stewart has, has uh, asked me and, and provided several books by John Maxwell, and uh, that and a lot of the, the things John Maxwell points out are are. Biblical principles, like especially that you would find in Proverbs, but a lot of them have to do with people, just the way people are, and that those are kinds of kinds of things that you get. We might that would fall under the category of understanding, like what motivates people. People like as a, as an example, the people the people like to be recognized, right? People love to be recognized when they do something or when. You know, and it's not it's not a matter of puffing up puffing up their ego or anything like that. But that's just a that's just one example of something that, you know, when you're kids, your your kids are like that. You see your kids and they do something, and, and to you it's very mundane, it's it's not important, it's it's not hard or whatever, but to them it's an accomplishment. It's important to go to that that child of yours and to say, Great job, that is awesome. That's fantastic. It's important to do that. Why? Well, because we're taught in Scripture how important you know, things like Thanksgiving and about the nature, the, our nature. And these are kinds of things we learn in Proverbs. And so when we have an understanding of that, that's just one subject, but then there's many, many other subjects. You deal with money, issues of money, issues in marriage, in relationships. All these things we have to have an understanding, an understanding, an understanding. And your marriage, in your marriage. It's better just to not say it, right? It's better just to not say it. You know what that is? That's an understanding of the negative outcomes of something <laughs> when you're in a particular frame of mind or your spouse is in a particular frame of mind. It's just better just to button up and talk later. Those are, those are things that fall under understanding. All right, let's, let's keep going just so we don't get too bogged down. Uh, Let's go to verse number 171 and 172 because these are related as well. The Bible says, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Now I want to share a few things about this. Verse 172, notice the words, My tongue shall speak of thy word. Now let me ask you a question. What normally when the use of the tongue is obviously a reference to our words. Our the word the word lips and mouth is also a reference to our words generally. So what generally the use of our tongue generally produces what? What we would call well let, let, let me ask like this because that was that's not a clear way to ask. Our tongue generally produces whose words? Our own words, right? It's my tongue, therefore, it's my words. What my tongue, my lips say are my words. But what you see here is something different. You see, my tongue shall speak of thy word. Well, that's interesting. Someone else's word, in this case, the Lord's words, on our tongue. Now, Hold your place here. Let's look at a a couple of verses. Uh, Look at uh, Psalm 12. Don't lose your place here because we'll be back in just a minute. Psalm 12, interesting um, cross-reference. Psalm 12, verse 1. Says this, help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. That means he's he's dying. They're dying off. Boy, that's that's true. Listen, I, I I've been thinking about our church. Been thinking about the anniversary. Going through the the different photos and things like that. <coughs> Excuse me. I need one of my waters. I have to get one after. <clears throat> Do you know how many of God's people have passed away? Some of them, of course, because I've been here for a while, like Brother Vernon and Sister Karen and Miss Juanita. How many people did we know that love the Lord and follow the Lord have passed away? Help, Lord, the godly man ceases. But, but listen, we want to remember those people. And you know what? I hope we remember them. Maybe, we can, maybe at the anniversary meetings we can tell some stories about some of those people and what they did because there were, there were some funny stories. I, I used to always love to hear, oh, thank you. I used to always love to hear Brother Clarence uh, sing, his, sing his, so, uh, his socials, his specials, and uh, Brother Clarence was such a classy man. He, he and uh, Brother Harry Jacobs, so classy, right? He used to, when they would write me checks, this is when I was in Bible college and stuff, the church would write me checks, reimbursement or whatever, and he would always sign, he would always pay to the order of Adam Wood Esquire. He was just, and his handwriting was just just so perfect, right? Remember his handwriting? He was like, he was like a penman. Even for mundane things, he would write really nicely. You know, those are godly people that have passed off the scene. Help, Lord, the godly man ceaseth. That that's what we're talking about. But where does that put Choice Hills Baptist Church right now? That means those faithful people have passed on just by course of nature. It's just just reality of, of this fallen world, right? But one by one, these pews are becoming emptier because they're passing on and they need to be refilled. They need to be refilled with renewed commitment to God and to His work. That's what we're reading here. The faithful fail from among the children of men. This is not so much talking about, when the Bible speaks of failure, it's not so much, there are times, but but generally speaking, it's referring to people that are dying. People that are dying off. But who's replacing the faithful? Verse 2. Notice it says in verse 1, the children of men. Verse 2, they, the children of men, speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue. Notice our, our, reference, our cross-reference now to lips and tongue. He shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things who have said. Notice what, who is the they? Who is the they? Verse 4 says, who have said, who is who? Come on, follow the grammar. Who is the who in this? Who, who? Bunch of owls in here. Who is the who? Somebody help me. The children of men in verse one. Follow it. Among the children of men, verse one, verse two, they, end of verse two, do they speak, verse three, the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips. Tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, These are all talking about the children of men. And now the children of men is a reference to humankind in general. Not Jew, Gentile, just mankind, children of man. That, that, he that is, he or she that is born of a woman, that's the children of man. All right? Notice what they say, who have said, With our tongue will we prevail. Our lips, Are our own. Who is Lord over us? That's quite a stout hearted and rebellious attitude, but notice what the object that's in view. What's the object? The object that is in view is the tongue, the words. And he says, Who's going to tell us what we can say and not say? It's our, my tongue. Nobody's going to lord. In other words, the words that they speak are a token of their refusal to have the Lord be the Lord over them. It is a token of their, it represents the totality of their rebellion against God because they say, this is my tongue. Who's going to tell me what to do? I'll say what I want to say. That's what, that's what we read here. And remember, we're not talking about an exceptionally wicked person here. We're just talking about the children of men. You know what? That's you and that's me. We look at this tongue of ours, but not just the tongue. What about the other members of our body? Our feet, our eyes, our ears, our hands. You know, there's so much in modern Christianity today, there's so much talk about what you're, what people make make a, a mock when we talk about what we should do and shouldn't do, how we should use our hands, our ears, our eyes, our tongue, our, our feet. They say, well, it's just so many laws and rules. Hold on, hold on now. What are they doing? Listen, be a Bible Christian. Don't, we should not be listening to the voices of Christianity. We should be listening to the Scripture. And God says, they're rebelling against God as represented by their tongue." And the fact that they say, this is my tongue. Who's going to tell me what to do? In Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, remember the Lord talking to Moses. And Moses is giving all these excuses because he says he's not eloquent. And perhaps that means that he couldn't speak Hebrew like the children of Israel did. Or perhaps he had a speech impediment. People have different ideas on that, opinions. but, But here's the point. The Lord answered Moses by saying this. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Here's what I want to remind us of is this. Who made your tongue? It's not your tongue. Who made your hands? Who made your feet? Who made your eyes? Who made your ears? Who made your mind? Is it not the Lord? So really, our tongue, going back to our Psalm 119, our tongue, can there be a better use of our tongue than to put the words of its maker in it? We say our tongue, our words, my tongue, my words, the Lord, and the psalmist says, my tongue will speak thy word. That's the, the words of the maker on the tongue of, of the, the one who God created. But he says in verse 171, My lips shall utter praise, my tongue shall speak thy word. Listen. This is all I want to say, and we'll move on. There's, There's one other verse in this set I want to get to, is this. It's really not enough that we believe right and we love the Lord. That's good and right. But God gave you that tongue. He created that tongue. That's His tongue. Should you not use it to talk to other people? About him, And I'm not even talking about evangelism necessarily, although that's definitely included. I'm talking about giving Him praise. How many times do you shy away from uttering a word of praise? That's what the verse says. My mouth, my lips shall utter praise. How many times away do you kind of shyly back away from the chance to give God praise for something He did? Sometimes those opportunities fall right in our lap, and our tongue is just dumb. It's silent. You, but you see, there's no greater use of the tongue than for it to be used for its maker. That's, that's the greatest use of it. There is no greater use, right? No, it, 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 there can't be. God created the tongue. Who hath created man's mouth? The Lord. And so, should we not use it then to glorify Him? To talk about Him? To speak, put His words in our mouth that others might hear? It? You see, th- this, is a, this is a principle that's, that's true throughout Scripture. That our faith, our praise, our love for God is not supposed to be simply private. It's supposed to overflow to others. We're supposed to talk about God to others. That's not just New Testament doctrine. That's the Old Testament doctrine too. What are we reading? Is this the Old Testament? No. This is a thousand years before the New Testament. And yet here you have David saying. He talked about how he would speak before kings, right? He would give God praise in the presence of the heathen. You remember reading that in the Psalms as well. That's David. Moses went before Pharaoh, a heathen unbeliever, somebody who did not know God and spoke of the Lord. God does not... Listen, I know this world is hostile to the Lord, and I know, just as well as you know, the moment you bring, you bring God up, but especially the moment you bring up Jesus. Jesus is the key. <laughs> That's usually where... The moment you bring Jesus up, I know people get awkward and silent, and they feel uncomfortable, but that should not stop us. And if we we should be like the church at, at the church at Jerusalem. When they got out of prison, they went and prayed, and said, God, give us boldness, right? I know Anna has told me that some of her coworkers, of course, she's, she's finished up at Belk already because she's going to college, but, um, but some of her coworkers would talk about God. You know, oh, yeah, God's good. You know, they would say that. They would say God's good, but their life is wicked. I mean, wicked, an abomination. But they'll say God's good. God's good, God's good. And, and again, I, I, I just say this again, it's almost like the Lord's like, what hast thou do, to do to speak my name, you know? But you see, they say that, but everything's good with, you know, with, those, with those coworkers of Anna until she talks about Jesus, and all of a sudden it's like, ooh. That's what God, that's, you'll not fulfill your, the purpose of those, that tongue and those lips and that mouth until you're talking about the Lord with it. That's why it was created. Your hands, your your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your nose, everything that you are and have was created for God's glory and pleasure. And that includes every finger, every, every part of your body. It was all created for Him. Is there not a better use? There's not. Look, let's look at verse 173 to finish up. It says, let, thy, let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. Psalm 119 verse 30, we've already covered this. It says, I have chosen the way of truth. What is a choice? A choice is an act of the will, Right? A choice is an act of the will. And really, a choice is something that's done inwardly, just like we talked about many times, faith and repentance. People think of repentance as something you do, but actually repentance is something in the heart that then has fruit that is visible. Faith is the same way. Well, a choice is like that as well. It's an inward act of the will, an inward decision. But then, of course, all choices have fruit, they play out. But here's the principle I want you to see from this. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. Some people want God to do everything for them. They want God to do everything for them. even over. They want God to overrule their protests and even their own desires. They want God to fix them, even though they have no desire to be made better. They say, sometimes when you deal with people that have a problem with a particular sin, they say, well, I just asked God to take it away from me. They still want to commit the sin. They still want to do the thing God forbids, or they still refuse to do the thing God enjoins. And they say, well, God, take it away. They just... I put it like this. I wrote it out just so I could could clarify it in my own mind. The careless sloth knows a thing that is wrong that he does or knows something he ought to do, but he apathetically lays the responsibility wholly upon God to fix him. He does not even have an inward desire to be fixed. He has no repentance. He is still lazily set in his sin. God fix me. Yeah, I know it's wrong. Man, eh, fix me, God. That's not what this psalmist said. Look what he said. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. It's almost like this. The principle is, the Lord wants us to choose the right. It's on us to make that decision, to repent. That's inward, though. But having made that choice, <laughs> we look to the Lord and say, there's no way I can accomplish it, Right? There's no way I can accomplish it. Listen to this. if This is uh, in the, the uh, treasury of David. If grace has given us the heart with which to will, and that's true too, it will also give us the hand with which to perform. That's good. You see, that's what the psalmist is doing. He says, Lord, I've chosen. I've repented. This is what I, I want to do your will. I want to follow you. I want to, I want to get this sin right. Lord, it's it's wrong and I don't want it anymore. See, that's all inward. But we don't have any power to do it. (laughs) Right? We don't have any power to do it. So God says, so he he cries out to the Lord, let thine hand help me. But the principle is that the Lord does require our definitive choice. Right? We, We have to actually repent. We have to actually deal with the thing in our heart. And then He'll help us accomplish it. In other words, if you're, if you're a smoker and you want to give up cigarettes, you can't just say, well, take it away. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Lord says, repent. <laughs> and then He'll help you. <laughs> but the problem is a lot of people don't want to repent. They don't want to change. They don't want to be different. And they figure, well, if God just fixes them, then they'll be better. But the problem is the Lord wants us to, to repent. Proverbs thirteen verse four says, "The soul of the sluggard desireth, and hath nothing." That I, I just want to say it, that kind of desire of the sl, of the sluggard he desires, but is that a real desire? Well, I'd like to have it. That's a wish. That's not real, because if he if he had a true desire, would he get off his duff and go do something, right? There was a pass. Yeah, I'm. Finishing here, but in Mark 9, there's a passage of a man who brought his child to Jesus. And he said, Lord, if thou canst do anything, help my son. I'm paraphrasing. And the Lord said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. (laughs) The man came to Jesus and didn't believe. In other words, he hadn't even dealt with the issue of faith in his heart. He just expected Jesus to fix him. That's not how it works. Of course, that man had no power at all to heal his child. That's true. Even if he believed he had no power to heal his child, that was wholly on Jesus. But Jesus had to deal with the faith, the inward inward decision. That's what we're reading here. I have chosen thy precepts. You see, we make that choice. We make that move in our heart toward God. That's not a work. That's not a work. That's a heart decision. We have no power at all to do anything. And that's a heart decision, but God requires that. Because that's the preparation. And that is what prompts the Lord to respond by helping, you see, and bringing that thing to pass. All right, let's pray together.